Hello and welcome to the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every week I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons that they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two moms parent in the same way. We should celebrate that and learn from one another. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and if you like what you hear, please share the show with a friend. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 332 of the podcast. I have such an important conversation to share with you today. It's with my friend, Brooke Porter. She is a mom of three. Uh, Her third baby was born in the last six months, and so she is fresh from that newborn phase, so she can identify with many of you tired mamas out there. I have about two months to go in my own pregnancy, so it was it was great to be able to have this conversation today because we focus a lot on mental health. Brooke had never had any type of mental health struggle prior to getting pregnant, but once she had her first two miscarriages and her three pregnancies, she found herself fighting for her life truly in the depths of postpartum depression and she is the wife of a pediatrician and that just further speaks to the idea that depression is no respecter of persons no matter your education no matter your level of support lack of support it just hits who it hits and sadly Brooke has gone to some real depths in her motherhood journey with postpartum depression and she's going to share about that so vulnerably and beautifully and she's going to talk about what has helped her over the years and what she has learned through these experiences. I'm so grateful that my friend was willing to share her story because I know so many of you will be able to relate. So let's get to my conversation with Brooke Porter. All right, I'm so excited to be sitting here in person, actually, with my friend, Brooke Porter. Hi, Brooke. Hi. How's it going? Uh, it's great. I'm so happy to be here. This is so fun. This has been a long time coming. You are one of the first friends that I met when I moved to Corona, right. and I am so grateful for you. And now, we've been on a game show together. I know, we were on a game show. This, the Cool Moms. Yes, we were the Cool Moms team, and you will find out when I know when it's airing, but hopefully in the next month or so, you'll be able to see Brooke and I on a game show and you're gonna want to tune in Brooke <laughs> Brooke killed it it's, we, it's, a, it's a word based game show I'll say that mm-hmm. and Brooke you're a wordsmith and I you. knew that when I was selectively picking my teammates that was and very thoughtful of you yes because your background <laughs> is in editing tell yes. me tell me what your background is so I got my degree in journalism and I didn't ever really think I would edit I really wanted to just write and then I got a job um, in Utah for Deseret Digital Media, which produces Deseret News um, and KSL and the Mormon Times. And they asked me if I wanted to edit. And I said, yeah, sure. Like, let's do that. And then I ended up being fabulous at it. It was my favorite (laughs) job. I edited about 3,000 news articles and five published novels. And I love grammar. Like, push up my glasses. Like, my my favorite thing is reading published books and finding errors. Yeah. Like, I just feel like such... A victory when I find that and a lot of times for the podcast I get pre-released books and I will tell the editors or the publicist or whoever like oh just so you know page 84 we've got good for you they should cut you a portion of their royalties for that (laughs) but it's so fun it's very investigative and And like uh, that's my fear is having a book be published and being like oh my gosh I missed that right yeah because I, I hear from a lot of authors like 
they, you know, wish they could say something differently or they've learned something mm-hmm. differently years later or whatever. But I mean, I think a grammar issue is as big of a deal as any of those retractions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How true that is. For sure. Oh. Well, you are from Southern California, as mm-hmm. am I, but you've you've lived a lot of places as, as well. So why don't you give the folks, you know, a little background on yourself and your family. Okay. Grew up in Orange County. I'm the youngest of four. Um, I went to college in Rexburg, Idaho. Love the winter. Loved Idaho. Um, I served a church service mission, uh, which was in Arizona. And I later met my husband, who at the time was in medical school. And uh, we got married. And we moved to Oklahoma, where he did his pediatric residency. We loved Oklahoma, loved the South. And we ended up staying there when he was done with training. And both of our two of our three kids were born out there. And then which is what we're going to talk about today because of some mental health that I'd struggled with in postpartum. We decided if we were to have more kids, we needed to be closer to family. It would be safer and better. Uh, So we packed up and moved back to California in 2017. And then five months ago, I gave birth to Ruby, who was 11 pounds. I feel like that needs to be on here. 11 pounds, three ounces. Three ounces, lest we forget. Over, (laughs) have you ever, listener, have you ever met a real life person? Like you see this like in the news. In the news, yeah. You're, you belong in People Magazine. Thank you. You do. Thank you. You do. You're a hero. And she was a week early. So can you even no, imagine? come on. But now she's a normal. She's normal. She baby. looks normal. She's a very yeah. typically developing. Yeah. And she, I didn't have gestational diabetes. She just was, I mean, she sucked the life out of me the whole yeah. 10 months, but. She was worth it. Yeah, they do that. She's darling. All of her little blondie kids are so, so cute. Thanks. So we're going to talk about mental health today. And what I love so, so much about your story and about your willingness to share is that it's not done. Like it's Mm -hmm. not an open and shut chapter of your life. It's Mm -hmm. an ongoing process. And like you said, you know, with each pregnancy, you wonder like, should I even do this again? Mm-hmm. Like, is it worth the risk to myself and to my family? And for this third one, you know, having that extra family support and everything was very intentional on on your part. But I think a lot of people fear going back to that place, or even if you haven't experienced, just the fear of what if I feel yeah. those feelings and and everything, especially if you're predisposed to mental health at all. All right, before we get into the real meat of Brooke's story, I wanted to thank a show sponsor, and that is a game called Word Forest. Word Forest is a game made for word addicts like me and like Brooke. Remember how we were on that game show? And you connect letters in any direction to form hidden word matches. There's over 2,000 levels, so you never get bored of playing. And listen, if you're trying to distract yourself on your phone, playing Word Forest is a lot better than a lot of other options. I'm just saying. So, Play this really fun game, stop mindlessly scrolling through social media, and keep your mind sharp. Just go to the Apple or Google store and search for Word Forest. Download Word Forest for free today and get ready to flex your brain muscles. Now let's get back into the story with Brooke Porter. Walk me through when you wanted to start your family. What was that like? And did you have any expectations really of what Mm. potential mental health physical challenges, you know? Yeah, not, not at all. Mm -hmm. I was just a naive new wife, wanted to have kids. We actually got pregnant in 2013 and I had a miscarriage, which no one in at that time, no one on either side of our family had ever had a miscarriage. And so I felt very much alone. And that was when I first really sort of understood the difference of empathy and sympathy. Mm -hmm. 
and that empathy is earned. You cannot relate to somebody wholeheartedly unless you've been through it. And so the people that like really were there for me were those women who'd had miscarriages as well because they knew what it felt like. They knew how hard it was. And um, I also learned to not push people out of their grief. Some things to not say if someone has a miscarriage (laughs) is, well, at least you weren't this many weeks along. At least you, you know, can get pregnant because at that moment, that person's experiencing a deep loss. The minute you see a pregnancy test, you are a mother and a father. And so that baby, albeit first trimester and small, was still living, beating heart in my body. It was real. So um, I noticed some depression start after the miscarriage and thinking, did I do something wrong? Was it my fault? And my husband was very much busy in medical school and we were preparing to move to Oklahoma. So while I was still bleeding, still cramping, we moved across all the way to Oklahoma and he started um, his night shifts right off the bat and was working 90 hours a week and I I didn't know anyone oh great timing (laughs) great timing great timing so I you know here I'm just in this little apartment we have no money my husband's not home I don't know anybody and I'm just quietly still struggling with this big loss and it took us still a year to get pregnant with Griffin our now almost seven year old so I didn't realize then but I realize now looking back I definitely was experiencing postpartum depression because your hormones still increase when you're pregnant therefore when you have a miscarriage you are still susceptible to postpartum because those hormones drop off so that's what I noticed not just the the grieving pain the grieving you know symptoms that are similar to depression Mm -hmm. a lot of times like there is that overlap um something that I've never really asked anybody is how do you tell somebody you've had a miscarriage when you haven't told them that you were even pregnant? Right. Because right. If you haven't, yeah. how do you just up and say like that? That very That's good question. So, That's awkward. It is. It yeah. is. So I, cause, and I think it's awkward more so for the person that doesn't know how to reply. Like I yes, almost, yes. yeah, they don't know what to say. So I've had two miscarriages with the first one. I had told people I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so then it was okay for me to say, Oh, I mean, it's okay for you to say either way, but it was less uncomfortable for me to say I've had a miscarriage. The second time around, I honestly just really told the people that were close to me. And if anyone asked or knew that I wasn't feeling well or hadn't been out in a while, are you okay? You know what? Actually, I suffered a miscarriage. I didn't feel like I needed to blast it. But I also had children that I had already born and so for me the grief was different the second time around the first mm-hmm. time it was very lonely and I needed that support um, but I also would encourage people to talk about your miscarriages whether or not people know you're pregnant because to you it was still it was still and will always be a part of your family and your story and you need that support yeah absolutely absolutely and I don't think if I were on the receiving end of that news, I would be so glad you told me that. Yeah. I would be just as equally as glad that you told me you're pregnant yeah. as um, honored to hold that space for you that you lost a baby. Yeah. And I think most, especially our listeners who care yeah. so deeply and everything and our super moms, like we would want to be trusted with yeah. that information so that we can show up and not just act like things are normal mm-hmm. when for you they're not. They're not. I. They're not. 100% best advice I can give stop acting like it's okay it's okay to to not be okay yeah and actually as you were saying that one 
for example, my neighbor in Oklahoma, Erin Pierce, I'm going to name <laughs> drop you. She was two doors down for me and um, we weren't that close, but we still were trusted neighbors that could reach, lean on okay. each other if we needed to. And she had two teenage girls at the time. And I can't remember, I don't know if she ever knew I was pregnant, but whether in passing or whatever else, I told her I'm, I'm experiencing a miscarriage. And she went out and bought me the most beautiful, well, she works for the Vintage Pearl, this Mm, yes yeah yes, you know yeah, them okay I do, yeah right so she works for them she does she hand stamps like their jewelry oh, beautiful so she she brought me um this heart necklace with a cross in the middle of it mm. oh my gosh and mm. i love it again something i love about oklahoma you can talk about you can talk about religion you can talk about faith in god or whatever your faith is out there and it's okay yeah so for her she brought that over to me with a card and it meant so much to me and had i not reached out for help i wouldn't have received that oh Bless you, Aaron Pierce. Bless you, Aaron. <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> right. And sometimes we feel so reclumptive, like we don't know what to say. So sometimes it's just the action, right? Yeah. So if you can leave something on a yes, doorstep yes, or yes. a little token or a single flower or mm-hmm. a card or whatever, like it's not always the right, what you know, having the right thing to say. Mm-hmm. It's just showing up and I doing agree. something and the acknowledgement yeah. that you're seen. Because isn't that just the worst feeling to feel mm-hmm. like nobody knows? Yeah. Nobody knows. Nobody and it's just you on an island. And we and there's lots yeah. of different scenarios in life where you might feel that isolation. And I think in the last year, a lot of us have felt it more increasingly um, than a lot of times in, in the world. So you go on to have Griffin yeah. and postpartum with Griffin. How Sucked. Is that? <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. So oh you're in my Oklahoma. Gosh. I'm in Oklahoma. My uh-huh. husband is still working crazy hours um, because in residency, you... That's what you do. Yeah, lots of work, little pay. <laughs> and I also had just been... So after Griffin was born, I was I would literally stay in the Lazy Boy 24 hours a day. I would just nurse him, sleep, sitting up, nurse, sleep, sitting up. And I remember my husband got home and was like, what did you do today? I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> what did I do today? I kept this baby alive. You know, like I couldn't believe it. So I ended up going to the doctor, found out, and was diagnosed with Hashimoto's hypothyroid, which happens a lot to women after they have children. Mm. So my thyroid was on the edge of being pushed over and Hashimoto or having a baby pushed me into that. So my side effects were severe fatigue. Uh, I was cold. I was feeling some depression. So that also, I think, springboarded me into postpartum depression. Being tired all of the time. My baby ate every two hours till he was eight months old. Mm. Being a new mom, not having my family out there. I did have wonderful people that, uh, Marcy Hinnon, if you're listening, <laughs> very helpful. Aaron Fryer, uh, <laughs> Raquel Donriki, like I want to name all my Oklahoma people, Ginger. Um, it's like an Oscar success yeah, speech. it is, like, yeah. cramming all the names. I know, the music, you're going to start yeah, the music these, on me. these are the heroes. Yes, these like, are the heroes. They the showed heroes. up. Yes. And I, sometimes yep. it was like, you know, they would just come over and sit with me and I remember um, when I really started. Wait, how to feel, do you get them there? How do how how, how do you bridge that conversation oh, so man. they know to even show Jessica, up for you? It, from first baby to third baby, it is my experience and my thought. Like it's all just have it's matured immensely. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of shame involved. There was a lot of fear involved in the beginning. I'm married to a doctor, and yet I'm having these intrusive thoughts of. I should just drown my baby. That would be better. And I'm thinking, what on earth? And I would grab, I remember grabbing Griffin out of the bathtub, panicked. 
you know, I'm no bra, I'm in my pajamas. I go get in the car because I wanted him in the car seat away from me. I felt like that was safer to put him in the car seat and I drove to a Walmart parking lot. And I call my husband and he's in the ER, it's loud. And I'm like, admitting to him I'm having these thoughts, bless his soul, he's come a long way. But at the time he was like, okay, well, just call Marsha, go to someone's house. I'm like, it's not that, it's, it's not that easy. Like, I want you here, I need you here. And so I did end up going to Marcy's house and another time my friend Capri, and I just said, hey, I'm, I'm feeling kind of down can I come be around company? It sort of started yeah. out like that. It was okay. sort of like a tester text. I'm feeling a little bit down or a little bit lonely. Do you mind if I come over? Oh, now I'm gonna, now I really am gonna cry. Capri Clausen, that you wanna talk about a hero in the flesh. Capri, oh, sorry. She literally saved my life on one occasion. So same thing, I was, I was feeling super depressed and, and um, I had texted her and said, Hey, I'm feeling depressed. She was a new friend, mind you. Barely knew her. Barely. She had four small kids, which included a set of twins. So four kids in four years. Okay. <laughs> Lots She's of free time. Busy. Yeah. Lots of free time. Uh-huh. Tons of free okay, time. Got it. A got nice, it. quiet, yeah. calm house. It's clean. <laughs> Mentally healthy. Mentally Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, it. it's, yeah. it's a safe, great house. So so I go, I go over there and I'm like, okay, I got to act like it's... I, I wanted to feel like it was together, but inside I was absolutely dying and she's I'll never forget I can picture it in my head clear as day she was had 409 and she was cleaning with the towel her um countertop and she's like so are you want to kill yourself and I'm like what uh, uh, I could not believe it and she was like don't do that Brooke don't do that let's talk about it and I could not could not believe it nor could I stress enough the importance of asking that question if there's anything I can say to your listeners ask that question. Are you feeling suicidal? And as I've gone to therapy for the last eight years and talked about it, that's what the therapists say. If you do not talk about it, it will happen. You have to bring it to light. And it was like this deep, dark shame. And I was like, yeah, actually I am having suicidal thoughts. And she stayed with me. I I mean, she just took the baby. She fed her kids. She, you know, fed me. Her husband got home from work. And then once we knew my husband was home from work, I went home. And then she checked in on me. And like, I honestly think that question saved my life. And because of that question, I asked another woman, we'll get to that story a little bit later. And it saved her life. So you have to ask people who, and so now when I have friends that have babies, I don't care what level of friendship I'm on, whether I know them in the past and we only connect through Facebook or Instagram, I will message them. How are you feeling? Are you having any suicidal thoughts? Are you having any postpartum anxiety? Nine times out of 10, they tell me yes. What does it feel like? What does it look like? Are you on medicine? How do I deal with this? I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had simply because I've just asked. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. here you are pregnant. And that is a big... Well, <laughs> About to go yeah. there. Yeah, and it, and it is scary and, and daunting and uncertain what's yeah. ahead. But knowing, and I think maybe hopefully this conversation will, will put in your mind like setting somebody up to be that person for you too. To say like, okay, this is how I normally am. Like, you know me. Yeah. Will you be the one to speak up if you see me withdrawing? If yeah. you, you know, see me coming over a lot and acting like nothing's wrong, yeah. everything's perfect because... <laughs> no, <laughs> it's if not. you don't have postpartum depression, nothing's it's perfect. It's not perfect. And so if somebody's acting like that and trying to mask it, that's the time to ask the question. Ask it. Right? And so maybe just setting up that person um 
I also think setting up um, a postpartum like mental health evaluation at, at six weeks oh, that's with a, great a mental idea. health professional. You do that at six weeks for your body. Why the heck not? Why not? Do it for your mental health and oh. to already have it on the calendar. If you're in, in this space, Brooke, like yeah. you don't even know what you need to get out yeah. of it. You, that's not the time to, to problem solve and, and make these decisions for yourself. No, you're drowning. Yeah. So, so yeah. anything you can do ahead of time, I think is huge. That is a fantastic. That is one thing I have not thought of before you have your baby set up an appointment. Yeah. Why not? I've done that with the last oh, two so and smart. it's been very, very, because we're going to talk about this too, but like, yeah, the, the checklist of things that, you know, you, you go into the doctor with, they just breeze through that thing. Yeah. And they're not equipped. Even if you say that you're having those types of thoughts, and you know your life makes it feel like you're drowning, they're not equipped to, to handle. It aside from referring you, yeah. And that one more step could be the step that you're not willing to take. That is, so many people drop off from oh, that one step. That feels so hard. I told my OB, well, my OB didn't do anything about it, so I don't know what to do now. And that's, I, I've, my husband has now been out of training for a long time as a pediatrician, and I have drilled this to him so much. That there's a huge gap between you go to a, you go to the OBGYN for ten months. It's not nine. It's ten. I just oh, want to put that so out there. Long, so, <laughs> so long, so long. And it's all about you, and it's all about the baby, and everything. And the baby's born, and then boom, you go to the pediatrician. It's all about the baby. Keep it alive. Is it growing? How big is its head? Does it have poopy diapers? And there's this huge gap for the mother. You're not following up with your family practice doctor. You're not seeing your OB anymore. They've moved on to the next pregnant one. So it's really important for you to be open and honest when you see your pediatrician. If that's the only medical person that you're seeing, tell them, hey, I am feeling these feelings. Do you have a referral? Where can I go? If you haven't set it up before you have the baby, it's not too late. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Admit to your pediatrician. If that's the only doctor you're getting in to see right now for your kids, they can refer you to somebody. They can let you. They can help you. See, and that wouldn't even occur to most people. Like, that's my kid's doctor. Yeah. It's not my doctor. So who am I to bring up my own issues sure. with the pediatrician? And so your husband is a pediatrician now. And, I mean, we can jump ahead. So how has this changed his view of mental health, the way he interacts with patients, those those first few uh, weeks, and even up to 18 months, like yeah. you were talking about before? Uh, it's real for him now. Yeah. It's not just in his medical books. It's not just, oh, some women might experience baby blues. He has seen his wife in the hospital, suicidal. He has seen his wife not wanting to get out of bed for weeks at a time. You know, he has seen me struggle and fight and not be myself. And then he's seen me come out of it. And so he doesn't want that for any other women and families and so I've told him you know ask when they come in he knows what it looks like now it's not just I'm sad I'm crying it's I'm irritable I'm angry I'm isolating I'm escaping on my phone for 20 hours a day and not eating you know it can look different for everybody and so I've told him ask up till 18 months which he was already I'm sure but I think he takes it a lot more seriously now mm-hmm. he had um, a family that came in and he also asked my permission to talk about my story to anybody and the medicine that I take and psychiatrists that I see. Mm-hmm. And the wife was sort of admitting some feelings that she had in my, and Jake, my husband opened up and the husband 
in the room started crying and he's like, I haven't talked to any other men that can relate. Like, how do you support her? Like, I feel so helpless. So Jake and his husband are having this heart to heart on how to help the wife. And it was such a beautiful moment that he told me about later. No names, of course, because HIPAA, he respected that. (laughs) Um, But it was, you know, beauty from ashes. It was, it's changed his practice and how he views it because it's no longer something he studied. It's studied. It's something that he's seen. Yeah. I think it's really hard for the men. Like my husband hates the childbirth rule, not just because it's like arduous and terrible, but like he feels helpless. Yeah. And I think that continuing on postpartum where it's like he can also feel helpless. It, like he's never struggled with any mel- mental health struggles yeah. before. And if your husband has, like almost consider yourself lucky that they have some idea yes. of, of what that actually looks like. Because even last week I was had a little breakdown and I'm like, I know what I'm saying does not make sense mm-hmm. to you. And so it feels weird even yeah. verbalizing that going up and down the stairs feels like too much to me yeah. right now. That sounds ridiculous. I understand that. Yeah. And so then I don't want to say it. Yes. And so, but the more that you normalize those types of conversations, like normally I run up and down the stairs and it's not something I have to think about ahead of time. Yeah. And right now it's like, is that worth it? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and he's like, and he just, and he just said, wow. Like, wh- like wow, wow, wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't get it, but I hear you and I believe you. And what, job, can, what can we yeah. do, right? He sat with you. <laughs> he sat with me in it. But it's been, a, I mean, we've been married 13 years. And yeah. it took a long time for oh. Jake to get to that point too of understanding, not just like go to your friend's house, but like, nope, like this is the priority. Yeah. And I have to take this seriously. And there's nothing like wrong with my wife. My wife's not doing anything wrong, but this is very real and this is very yes. real it's taken taken her over that took a couple babies i think for him to realize yeah that depression is not me it's a sickness yes because i'm very convincing when i'm depressed i'm very irrational and i'm very emotional and so he believes you know because i am my soul and my spirit and my body it's all the same so yeah. if i'm complaining or crying or fighting or whatever to him he just sees his wife as a whole yes and wow as a mess as a mess exactly and so through a lot of marriage counseling that we've gone through and personal counseling we've been able to separate that like she is not her depression depression is an illness just like diabetes just like asthma it's something to be treated as a sickness and just like my autoimmune disease i'm gonna have depressive flare-ups and that's okay Mm. and so it's like the spoon analogy when i have a depressive flare-up I don't wake up, we all wake up with 10 spoons, right? And one, it might take a spoon to shower. It might take a spoon to make breakfast. It's a spoon to exercise. So someone with depression, I feel like you wake up and you start the day with two spoons Mm. because the other eight are going to how you feel. Yeah. going to being depressed so like for me sometimes that, it seems like such a lame use of spoons we would change i would yes. love that i would love yes. more spoons and yes. like sometimes it takes a spoon to get out of bed and to to be safe yeah. hopefully through some willingness to learn your support person or your spouse or your family can come to better understand what depression looks like and how they can support you it's not pulling them out of the mud it's sitting with them in the mud. Yeah. It's supporting them where they're at and knowing this can pass. Let's do do what we can, but be there for them. And realizing that some days they might have one spoon and that's okay. Just like a flare-up of another illness. Yeah. 
that's that's a that's a great way to put it that it it is 100% an illness and I think there has been a lot more conversation normalizing mm-hmm. that thankfully yeah. thankfully I think there's been a lot of progress but the more that we can have these types of conversations you can hear stories you know like Brooke and I mean you're just one of those people where you look at your life and you just think like you got it. You got right? it all, right? right? You got yeah, it there's all. There's no reason why. And, and, and that's also where the shame comes in, too. Because yes. I'm sure you look at your life, too, and you think, I should. I do have it all. I should be grateful. Yeah. I shouldn't be depressed. I should get out of bed. I should be happy with my kids all the time. Yeah. I have this newborn baby. I'm supposed to be happy. Yes. My husband's great most of the time. You know, like, I should be happy about that. It, it's so it's it, crazy. That's where the shame comes in. Exactly. You feel guilty. So, another shout out one of my therapists in from Oklahoma who has since moved. Laurel. Hi, Laurel. <laughs> we're very we're close. Gonna, we're going to get a lot of new listeners. I love my, my Oklahoma fan base. Oh, is it's increasing. It's incre- they're fantastic. <laughs> Laurel talked about, we joked about how the word should was like a swear word. Uh-huh. And one way that you can replace your shoulds is by saying, it would be nice. So uh, it would really be nice if I didn't have depression and that my things brought me joy. But right now they don't, and that's okay. Uh, uh, it would be really nice if my baby slept through the night. She doesn't right now. That's okay. She's having a growth spurt. You know, because the shoulds bring guilt and shame. And that Brene Brown uh-huh. wants us to get rid of the shame. Yep. So practice that, just saying, it would be nice, but, and then move on. Oh, it would be, it'd be nice if I... <laughs> If my things and my lifestyle brought me happiness, but I bet it doesn't. I have depression and that's a chemical imbalance and that's okay. Yeah. And then when you say those affirmations enough, you believe them. Yeah, absolutely. And believe in those things about yourself. Like I should be able to get out of bed. Well, yeah. I can't right now. <laughs> yeah. And that's and that's okay. Yeah, it would be, be nice if I was a morning person. And it won't always be that way. Correct. Or it and may not. It may. It may. Yeah. But it may not always be that way. And a lot of times it's not. So yeah. that's helpful. So going into your second pregnancy, I mean, did did the postpartum feel Because your kids are fairly oh, close together. Jessica. Do we want to dive in? So how in? do you go? Do you want to dive? Go. Are we going? We are. Are we're, we? Are the listeners still the, here? We're doing the polar plunge. Let us, <laughs> let, us, let us dive into the icy abyss. Oh my gosh. Here we go. Yeah. So ironic. Okay. So I have a miscarriage 2013. Takes a year to get pregnant. I have Griffin. I am totally severely postpartum depressed, thyroid depressed that whole year. Um, it got pretty close there right before my son turned one. Um, I'm sure some family knows this. I don't know if they remember or not, but I had actually gone so far as to write all the passwords down um, in a jur- in Griffin's baby journal because I was the one at the time that paid the bills and did all those things. So I wrote them all down. I wanted to wait until Griffin ugh, was old enough to take a bottle so that he could feed himself in the crib. <laughs> so I was going to put two bottles in the crib so that he could feed himself enough over the eight hours until Jake got home from work. And that's how bad it got. And then I found out all of a sudden I was pregnant and it was a surprise baby. And that was Quinn, my second daughter. And that was the other time that my life was saved was because of that child. Because when I am pregnant, I am hormonally glorious. (laughs) I am sane. I am safe. I have the right amount of progesterone, testosterone, and um, did I say estrogen already? No. No, estrogen. Yep. Uh So again, side note, that's another thing to look into for people with postpartum. I can almost promise you that your hormone levels are off and that's why you're more susceptible to it. If you feel good, relatively good when you're pregnant mentally, then 
I feel like that's also an indication that you're not getting the hormones you need because you have an influx when you're pregnant. So I get pregnant. I'm horribly sick. You know, I get very, very sick. However, it was like the cloud went away. And I just remember thinking, what on the, what on earth was I about to do? So the cloud lifted when I got pregnant and I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, what what did I almost just do to myself, to my family? And then I had all this shame and guilt, of course, come around and think, my son almost just lost his mom. I cannot believe that I almost went through with that. Thank goodness for this baby that saved my life. And so, and on top of that, here's the other thing too. So she was born on Halloween, which was my favorite holiday. So Quinn really is like... <laughs> this total gift to me. I love candy. She slept <laughs> She slept through the night from the day she was born. Don't hate me, right? She didn't cry. She didn't take a pacifier, didn't like to be swaddled. So she would just eat and I'd set her down and she'd go to sleep. Let me just tell you, I had even worse postpartum depression after her. I was getting sleep. I had a fabulous milk supply. All of those things. And I still had severe postpartum depression and it's no respecter of persons it's no respecter of sleep of babies (laughs) of of anything like that it can come regardless it can onset up to 18 months for me it usually hits around month three or four and it did again with this third baby ruby that i just had Mm -hmm. um which will polar plunge into her in a minute what 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 else? Bungee jump. Bungee jump. Yeah. <laughs> What's next? Skydive. Skydive sky without a parachute. Okay, there you go. Okay. <laughs> and we're hoping we land on our feet. I would never do any <laughs> no. of that. I would. I love those. You things. would. Yes. You're crazy. My mom said she'd take me out of the will though if I ever risked my life like that. That just seems unnecessary. It just seems like an unnecessary risk to take. Oh, but it looks so fun. Okay, fine. I know. Maybe like pull a George Bush when you're like 90 years old. Okay. Just just go for okay. it. Okay. At that point. Nobody can say anything when you're 90. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> oh. So perfect baby. Perfect baby still has Perfect it. circumstances. Perfect. Ideal yeah. circumstances. Ideal. Yeah. I did have two children who were 21 months apart, so that did present some stress, yeah. but they did, they napped around the same time as each other. My husband was still very, very busy, and I still didn't have family nearby yeah I think at that point my husband started to disassociate a little bit because it stressed him out that he couldn't fix it and I noticed him starting to isolate a little bit and I noticed that when he'd come home and we've talked about this this is okay for us to chat about that he would focus on the kids I think he would worry so much that the kids were maybe neglected you know in some capacity that he would want to come home and give them attention and I felt like I was dying on the vine screaming for attention and just not getting it even though I wasn't screaming for attention I was just like sleeping in the recliner all the time and um, I had started some different medications they weren't the right fit and I just continued to see a psychiatrist and then it never really lifted for me it really did not go away and so fast forward we moved to California in 2017 how old were my kids then? Uh, two and four. And i um, pretty sure we were done having children. I was sure we were done having children. And then um, Ruby, I got pregnant with Ruby. And um, I was terrified. So was Jake. So was everybody. Because I did not want to go back 
to that dark place. That was my biggest fear this pregnancy was I don't want to go back. Even though I still was sort of in that dark place, it was still not as dark as it could be. Yeah. And um, ironically, this is the best I have felt in 10 years, including pre-postpartum depression. Like the joy that I'm able to feel right now so did the happy feelings come back when you got pregnant again as well? Like they had yes. previous pregnancy. So that's when it started yes. the, lift, the lift. Yes. Okay. And I, this time I was, we were so much more equipped for this pregnancy. Yeah. My husband was way more present. He has a much better job right now. It's an eight to six clinic job in Oklahoma. He worked in the ER. He worked in the urgent care. He worked as a hospitalist and in the clinic. So he was just crazy. So right yeah. now it's a normal job and I can reach him at any point. And we had been seeing a consistent counselor. I had had a psychiatrist. I'd been on medicine consistently for three years before this pregnancy, which was a huge help. So when I get pregnant and um, I was feeling my sane emotions, I told everyone, I'm like, you're looking at me, right? You know I'm happy and I feel good right now. Right. Here's the baseline. Here's the baseline. Yes. Yes. And I said, like... I'm scared to be lost. I'm scared to go away. Please know that this brook does exist. So I went and had my blood drawn, actually. I still haven't done the follow-up appointment, but I want to copy the hormone and blood level of when I'm pregnant. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm determined to, to fix this, to find a way for women to go, why am I happy when I'm pregnant and then I'm not when I'm not pregnant? So uh-huh. we'll have to do a follow-up when, yeah. when I get those results. For sure. So. Yeah. And... I mean, and your pregnancy itself was very difficult. Like you oh, had yeah. a lot of physical yeah. challenges with with that pregnancy. So, you know, matching the mental state with the physical drain, like it, was it, great. it, it didn't match at all. No. And yet here you were living at this high. Yeah. And um, and even right after, I mean, did you get a little bit more of a respite after? It's I, I feel like you mm-hmm. told me that you did. Like it, yeah. it, it, the postpartum depression didn't hit quite as hard or as early correct as the other no I almost had euphoria for like weeks and right. my husband's like this is the best I've seen you I'm like what happened what did right. this baby bring with her right what magic <laughs> what <song>? magic yeah. <laughs> what did she bring so yeah I did I definitely had a very good break a very good gap my thyroid swung the opposite way which I think helped me avoid the postpartum it swung hyper okay um, which is high energy insomnia other things that aren't as great. However, so who's doing this testing for you? Are you asking your OB for these blood tests? Good question. Primary, um, uh, the OB, but okay. also my family practice, okay. and I have an endocrinologist. So I have a lot of people keeping tabs on okay. me. Okay, but you could have an OB be the one to to pull these labs okay. for you. But you had to be proactive in saying, correct, this is my history, yeah. or this is what I'm concerned about. Let's take these levels, these baselines and everything, and then working towards an end goal. Yes. Okay. That's hard for a lot of people because most people don't know they can actually even advocate for themselves. Because exactly. they, just, they yeah. just default to whatever and, is being offered. Oh, completely. Yeah. And I feel like I could do a whole hour podcast for you on just medication because that is another thing yeah. that I think people are terrified of. And can I just grab the mic and yell into it and say medicine will save your life? That's yeah. the other thing that has saved my life. I've got people, babies that have saved my life and then medicine. And there is this fantastic new uh, test that they can do to literally determine which medicine will be best for your body makeup. It is a cotton swab on the inside of your cheek. Not even up your nose? No, not even up your (laughs) nose. Anyone after a COVID test will gladly do a cheek swab. 
And so my psychiatrist here uh, said, let's do the test. I'm like, yes, let's do the test. And if insurance doesn't cover it, the place that I went to have a max, you won't pay more than $300. Like okay. that was it. So a lot of people are afraid to do the trial and error. Exactly, because so the trial so and error can be it's scary. Rough. It's rough. It's, and it takes a long time. It does. Yeah. yeah. And some of them can, I've had one that did make my depression worse. And I think those stupid commercials scare everyone too. Oh, yeah. you might feel, it's like, no, but you know what? When you find one that works, it was worth it. Yeah. So the cheek swab shows you like a good, better, and best column. Literally shows you, and it was accurate. The ones that did not, were not effective yeah. for me were in the, the bad wow. column. Wow. Also, find out if anyone in your extended family I have family members, women who are on the same medicine that I'm on now. And I had asked them previously, are you on any medicine, you know, for anxiety or depression? Yeah, actually I am. And it's even Jake can confirm this. It runs in the family. If it works for someone in your family, it will likely work for you. Or if it doesn't. Cause like Correct. my mom has been on something for 30 years that she cannot get off of. Yeah. And that sucks yeah. to be in that oh, position, you yeah. know? And so, yeah, yeah, that ta- that takes your your vision of of what the medicine can do for you. Yeah. I know I was talking to somebody the other day, um, very close to me, who has been in therapy, and the doctors said you might want to also consider medicine. And she knew that I was in therapy and um, on medicine as well. She's like, "How did you make that decision to then mm-hmm. also add mm-hmm. in the medicine?" And I just said, <clears throat> "The medicine helps." you to utilize the tools in a rational way that you're being given oh, in smart. therapy. Yeah. Like you can't rationally identify your thoughts, work through the steps, do the coping mechanisms, everything like that. If you're so, for me, it's anxiety, not depression, but so wound that you can't even sensibly address what those thoughts are. And so to bring me down, for me, it's Lexapro. I've said that before on the show. Mm -hmm. It just kind of brings me to a place where I'm more clear-headed to utilize the blessing that is therapy and all the self-help type stuff. High five. Yeah. Completely agree with that. Effexor is is my go-to. Okay. That's what helps me. And again, Laurel, the therapist, along the same lines as what you described with anxiety, she described, I guess it would work for anxiety and depression. She said that a mental illness is like having a bucket of water that's overflowing and medicine is just a hole in the bottom of the bucket that helps the water drain a little bit. Slower. And so... I think a lot of the biggest fear I have heard from friends that I've messaged or talked to, well, I don't want it to change my personality. I'm here to tell you it does not. It just takes the edge off. The irritability that you feel, the intrusive thoughts. Do you like your personality when you're depressed? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, that's so good. If you're a monster, and and I don't mean to, you know, but you know what I mean? Like, you're not loving yourself who you are while you're in that state. Correct. So why not? Why change not? It why not change it? Maybe why better. not improve it? Oh my gosh! When when I was in a slump last month, my son is like, "Mom, you're always mean." Oh my gosh! And I cried and cried and cried and cried. And of course, the next day we did something else, and he said, "It's the best day ever." Kids <laughs> are so ever. kids are so forgiving. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, I know, I know. It's 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 tricky. It's a tricky thing. Yeah. So I think just first step. Whether you're postpartum or not, just like in general addressing these mental health things, putting things in place or, or thinking about these things before things get super bad, realizing mm-hmm. that everybody can benefit from therapy, yeah. like literally everybody. Every, and everybody. then if they do recommend medicine, whether it's the taking a test, like you said, help identify mm-hmm. what's a good fit for you, just starting with a low dose of something and, you know, things like that, asking family, like you said, like those are all really good first steps. Um and, uh, you know, just, just to kind of bring it back t- to recent. So 
you had, you know, some blissful weeks, even month or two, and then you started getting those kind of pangs yeah. of, uh-oh, yeah. uh-oh, uh-oh, like the dark, like you see the sun and then suddenly just disappears and you're like, what time is it, yeah. right? Yeah, Um, And on the outside, it has seemed like, you know, things have continued really well. And that's where it gets confusing too for outsiders sure. is that it's like, oh my gosh, Brooke's doing so good. Mm-hmm. Great. Woo-hoo. Check. Like, yeah. like, like I don't oh, I don't need to check in as much. Or I, yeah. you know, we don't need to worry about her as much or whatever. But that's just simply not true. And you were like on a rampage of dude, just doing good. <laughs> there was like two weeks where it was just like one thing after another there was that, I, that was on service. my radar. And I'm just like, you're like raising money and you're delivering stuff and just all the stuff. And I'm just like, I, refugee and, I, and I said, yeah, I'm like, Brooke, I oh. hope that's an indication that things are going well. And you said, no. Yeah. He's like, things are not. And I was really shocked because <laughs> most of the time you cannot get up the gumption, speaking from personal experience, I cannot get up the gumption to, to find the motivation to, to, yeah. to get outside myself, even though I know that is what helps me. Yeah. It's to just stop. Like nothing is physically keeping me in the bed besides yeah. my own thoughts about yeah. it. Nothing is physically holding me down. So I can get up and I can go serve somebody else and I can make somebody else smile and that really does give me a surge and it gives, you know, them some service. It's yeah. great. So how did you rally that weekend? Tell me, tell me about that time. So on that Friday, so Friday I texted before, you on a Monday. Yeah. So on that Friday, I was driving home and I was feeling extremely irrational. I was feeling, I was spiraling. And usually for me, my temptations, any sort of suicidal thoughts and Feelings come when I'm driving because to me, it's the adrenaline. I'm driving, I'm angry, and I'm spiraling in my head thinking all is lost. Everyone will be better off without me. My kids don't need me. And I I feel the urge to roll the car. That's for me where it comes. Like, And I just think, oh my gosh, I need to pull over. Like the rational and irrational go back and forth and back and forth. And I just kept thinking, keep your hands on the wheel. Just get home. And then I passed. Oh, I passed a car accident, ironically, that had just happened. And all I could think of was, I wish that that were me. Oh, wow. And I thought you were going to say, no. like, I thought that was going to snap you back right? to reality. No. That I'm so glad that wasn't. No, it was, wow. I just was so, and then I was wow. so mad. I hit my wheel because I remember thinking, like, I wish so bad that that were me. And another Laurel therapist, same, same therapist, described to me, suicide is not wanting to die. It's wanting to be out of the pain. So I don't want my children to not have a mother. I was, I'm so tired of hurting. I'm tired of waking up and being sad that I woke up that day. I want to wake up and be like, I'm alive. Yes, I'm here. And I just think, dang it, that's not fair. So Saturday, I'd already had plans. We were providing Christmas for this refugee family from the Congo in San Diego. And I had messaged you and some other friends and everyone pulled together several hundred dollars. We were just going to do it as a family and buy what we could. And then they ended up sending all of this money in. It was beautiful. So we got, to go, cool. to, we got to go to Costco. And that's the thing, too, is I was still feeling that depressed. I was still feeling depressed, but I thought, you know what? They don't. They live in an apartment with six people with one bedroom. And they got kicked out of their country, essentially, or chose, excuse me, not yeah. kicked out. They chose to leave because it was so unsafe. Sometimes it's just going through the motions until the wave passes. Mm. And I admitted to Jake, you know, when I got home 
and we talked about those feelings. But anyway, so a lot of service had happened Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and I helped uh, raise money for my sister who's a single mom over Instagram. And over, in 24 hours, $1,400 was raised for her for Christmas. And I, in hindsight, got emotional thinking, had I gone through with that, these blessings wouldn't have happened. Like yeah. this would not have been connected. And the joy that I felt is still lasting to me today by seeing how happy these people were. And so this time around, that's something that I'm doing that I didn't do with the other children. I am serving as much as I can in little ways, in writing a note or like... You brought me dinner last night. I brought you dinner last night because it's a recipe I was going to make that easily doubles. Like it did not take extra effort for me to just put more chicken in the crock pot. Like it was easy and i and and it puts the focus on okay well Jessica's about to have a baby my baby's out i'm running around the house like i can move she can't it'd be so easy for me to just do this so service as much as i hated people telling me that when i was depressed you should get out and serve just hear it from me someone who has depression yeah <laughs> it really does help it's okay to go it's okay to go through the motions it is until the wave passes i like how you said that yeah yeah just keep plugging yeah. And I yeah. also, I want to add a couple other things if we still have, do we still yes, have time? Of course, okay. Yeah. Um, before I had the baby, I, I wrote this long post, um, basically saying that I was, it was an emotional, I'm a writer, right? It was an emotional post about saying farewell to pregnant, but to pregnant, it was an emotional post about writing farewell to pregnant Brooke uh-huh. and greeting postpartum Brooke and that I was so afraid of what that looked like. And I had asked in my post, basically saying, look, I'm there's when that darkness happens, like I'm going to need help and I'm going to ask for it. So I sort of put that out there so that I couldn't isolate quietly and get away with it. Like I said, hey, I'm going to need help. And when this hit me in the a month or two ago, I, I don't I think you saw it. I had posted on Instagram. Hey, I feel it creeping back in. Could you guys send me some memes? I still have a friend that sends me memes every single day. And it's that to me, I asked for help in a way that I know will help me and people are showing up. Like they're sending me memes and that's helping me with depression. How cool. I mean, yeah. the Bernie Sanders meme memes oh, alone have saved my have saved this year, this oh, short year. <laughs> it is so amazing. And just laughter will do that for you. It will. And mm-hmm. it just yeah, it's just like a little glimmer. And so so for somebody on the outside, it's like don't underestimate the little act you can do. Just the how are you? And I love adding the word today. Mm-hmm. How are you today? So Because if you just say how are you, like yeah. everyone's going to be like, oh That's yeah, fine. That's very true. But if you're like, very how are true. you today? Uh-huh. Then sometimes you might get a I'm good today actually. Because mm-hmm. you may have woken up actually feeling good. Mm-hmm. But then the next day you have the permission to say today is not a good day. Yep. And then you know, mm-hmm. okay, put your boots on. Let, let, let's yeah. let's let's do something about that. Um, and I, yeah, I think I think that's incredibly powerful. And I love that it's con- those memes have continued too because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people's lives do just go back to normal after the immediate crisis. Yep. 
and then or the immediate loss or the immediate whatever and then but just being mindful and I think writing it on your calendar is really helpful writing anniversaries of losses yeah. um, is something that I do for friends just to remember to acknowledge those important dates oh, that's great. things like that or you know knowing like okay three months in is usually when it hits Brooks so I'm gonna check I'm gonna you know make sure that in three months I actually do check in mm-hmm. and it's no fault of your own if, if three months flies by and you don't even realize it so writing it down yeah. is your is your safeguard yeah. Was there anything Absolutely. else that you that you wanted to? Um, if I, uh, preach, can I preach a, a di- another thing I've done differently? Yes. Two things with this baby, um, formula feeding. I'm formula okay, feeding. Okay, let's talk let's, about that. Let's so the normalize first two, formula you and fed, Yes. And what did it do to your hormones? Um, I felt in hindsight like it was a like a ball and chain, okay. me and the baby. Yep. But I felt, I mean, for one, we're poor we right. were poor and mm-hmm. formula was expensive it, my body does it so I should do it right which pause this is where you can say it would be nice if I could nurse but it's actually better for me and my baby that I don't and that's okay so don't tell your I should nurse no you know what it'd be right. it'd be it'd be okay if I could yeah. talk to a friend this morning that wants to switch to formula and she's like but I have such a massive milk supply and people can't produce it I feel guilty interesting it, it's just a yeah. common thing so I had felt in my gut this whole pregnancy like I should do formula. And my husband, it was a formula baby. He's a doctor with like right. 20, 40 vision, didn't embrace it. Like the guy <laughs> has the immune system. It's yeah. unbelievable. Right. And he without, had formula. Without all the natural mother's milk nutrients. Exactly. Imagine that. He yeah. had formula. And it was formula in the in yeah, the 80s. Right. Totally. So like yeah. who knows. I was a formula baby too. Yeah. Look, yeah. At, look at you. Look at, uh, look at you now. Yeah. Right. So... Anyways, I just had the feeling, but I still wanted to try it. And so I, I nursed, and then she was spitting up constantly. Really She fussy. started to look very fussy. Mm-hmm. She started to look skinny, which is weird when you have an 11-pound baby <laughs> who came home in a size 2 diaper from the hospital. I'm not exaggerating. So then the speaker. She, yeah. We're looking for a size 2 <laughs> diaper. Like, they don't even have them in the hospital. They don't. That's like so creamies true. and then ones. And, oh, my gosh. You know, they're, they're paging the... The Depends. The, uh, the geriatric floor. Oh, my gosh. And it... Yeah, so when my thyroid too swung hyperthyroid, my TSH went down to zero point zero one. If there's any thyroid listeners, you know what that means. It's I don't know insane. What that means. <clears throat> so my milk supply also dropped. Okay. So I could have pumped and done everything, and I was like, no. And I felt like God was telling me, no, no, you're not supposed to. She's got a milk allergy, and I thought it would kill me mentally to give up milk, to give up cheese, to give up. It would have been too hard for me when I'm tired and I have three children. And I said a prayer and I said, okay, if I am supposed to stop nursing, you need to make my milk supply stop. I cannot keep having these letdowns and mentally feel this guilt. Jessica, I did not have another letdown after that moment. I did not have another letdown. And won't he do it? What will I know? What what will he do? Swipe up to learn more about prayer. (laughs) So it. It definitely, if it's important to you, it's important to God. That's all I'm saying. You can pray about anything, big or small. Yeah. And so as soon as we put her on formula that uh, she is on, oh my gosh, what is it called? Something very expensive. Very. Yeah, which is a shame. Alimentum, Similac. It's the purple can. It's like a hundred bucks a week. Uh, However, it is worth it. Let me just say. Oh yeah, I believe it. You can, I'm hustling for coupons on their website. (laughs) I have coupons from friends that just had babies. Formula influencer. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? (laughs) Do you have an affiliate program? Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
that would be awesome. That would be awesome. So really though, it she started smiling, she quit spitting up, and then I realized now, I if I could go back, I would formula feed again because the letdowns reminded me of I got to feed the baby. And then, oh, hey, we're going to lunch right now. I can't. I got to feed the baby. It's yeah. going to take 30 minutes. Then I have to burp her. Then I got to change my clothes. And and I understand that nursing is wonderful and, and that's great if that's what you choose. But if you are predisposed to postpartum depression, can I please just implore you to explore, explore it. formula. Talk to your doctor about it. You can get free samples from your pediatrician. Jake's office does not carry the kind that I need. They will give you endless amounts of their eight ounce cans, which will last you one to two days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, and I think that is changing. I have like literally never heard that correlation before. Mm-hmm. So that's a great. And some people tip. get um, postpartum letdown. I have a cousin that every time she had a letdown, she would have horrible dysphoria. And I've the more people I've talked to, they've said it's a thing yes. she was diagnosed with. But she continued. Somebody else told us that recently yes. too. I think. And yes. she's con- she's continued to nurse. Uh, she's continued nurse, and she's considering. Yes. She's scared. Same thing. We cried and talked last week. She said, "I don't want a third. I don't know if I want a third baby because yeah. I'm scared of that dark place." Yeah. But I've watched you. She stayed at my house. She said, "I've watched you feed your baby formula, and you are getting out." Other people can feed the baby. My six-year-old can help in the car. Right. My husband feeds at night so that I can sleep all around. It is so ideal and so wonderful yeah i love that you can make your life look however you want it to look for yourself (laughs) logistically like we don't always get to choose what our challenges are or our circumstances but like you can choose what you do with it and and this is what you've chosen and this is what's working well for your family and you are functional so while like i said at the very beginning this is not a closed chapter on mental health for you by any means Mm -hmm. and there are ups and downs and gosh i wish I could snap my fingers for you, and I'm sure you do too. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there's something about mental health, and for me, my own anxiety that makes me feel a lot more present and a lot more human. Yeah. And and had I not had these challenges, a I wouldn't have the empathy I do for people who ch- who struggle with mental health challenges, and b just being willing to do the work mm-hmm. <laughs> to become more self aware to be not just quote unquote a better version of myself, but really be a healthy, more in line version of who I truly want to be and how yeah. I want to live and where I want my focus to be. It it gives me that opportunity to work on that. Yeah. And for that, I'm not sorry I have anxiety. Um, I have a couple friends that have committed suicide. Oh, I didn't know that. And... And it's just, it, it's what you, it's what you said. It's just like, you get to that, that breaking point and then to come out on the other, you know, come out on that Monday and be like, well, I'm so glad I didn't go through with that. Imagine I came so close to the brink, oh, yeah. but, but to know that there's others that get to that brink and, and the choice is basically taken from them yeah. because it's just, it's too much. Yeah. It's too much. And, um, we just want less of that. We want more families to feel empowered that they can get through this, mm-hmm. um, that there's hope and there's help, and you're proof of that. You're proof Thank of you. that, and you never know what that next Monday is, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. what role you're going to play in the universe to make somebody else's life yeah, something worth living to, you know. So, Brooke, oh, there's, just so, <laughs> there's just so much, but... I want to wrap up by asking the final question I always ask my guests. 
And it's this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self? Oh, can I phone a friend? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. What would I tell her? It's, it will not look how you are expecting it to look, but it will be okay. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. You're going to be so sick. You're going to gain a bunch of weight, and that's okay. Your body is growing other human beings. Mm-hmm. Your mind is also going to grow. It's going to fall. It's going to get back up again, and that's okay. You, are, you will be stronger because of it. It's going to suck sometimes, but it's also going to bring you the greatest joy. Yeah. And it, this too shall be. It'll pass like a kidney stone, but it'll pass. Yeah. I just had kidney you stones had too. Kidney, after right, I had my C-section. Right after you had your C-section. And then I got COVID too. <laughs> like, but you couldn't smell poopy diapers I for two weeks. I couldn't smell poopy diapers. That was true. So. But I also couldn't taste chocolate chip cookies. Well, no, that's just not right. That's not, not right. right. No. Brooke, thank you so much Thanks, for Jessica. sharing your story and for giving us an inside look um, at what we don't often get to see in people's lives. But I bet you bucks there's somebody listening who is sitting that in a lazy boy, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I like to think, you know, you, you, love, you love living among the sunshine and everything like that. But you can also live when there's cloud cover too, yeah. you know? Like that's worth living as it well. It Some will... people choose to live in Seattle. I so. know. <laughs> That's true. Um, but it will get better. It, it will get better. And the find me if you don't have anybody. Yeah, so where can people find, find you online? My my Instagram, I'm I'm private. I'm not anything fancy, but it's mental health mama. So mental underscore health underscore mama, M-A-M-A. Okay. We'll link it in the show notes. And if you just message Brooke, she'll accept you. I will I will be here. <laughs> I will support you because it's scary. And, and you want to see her daughter's mermaid hair. Yeah. So, and uh, the 11 <laughs> the pound, 11 three pound mermaid. anomaly. We were just, Uh, (laughs) so we were virtual school obviously so I do a lot of the work with my kids and Parker was reading a thing about like the circus like how the circus got started and how sometimes people's physical differences allowed them to become like circus performers and so I feel like kind of like like the fair like when you're like this is the 25 foot crocodile like seeing the 11 pound baby but literally you would never know to this day it's so crazy I feel like we need to link a picture of her people want to know I don't know how and on the back of your and on the back of your Christmas card oh well take a picture of your Christmas card she made the cut she made the cut the grumpy faces the of Ruby because she was grumpy. what a year. What funny. If, if, if there's ever been a quarantine baby, this, this is, is it. She's representative. <laughs> she's like us. She stayed oh, home. She got really best. overweight and just frowned all day. She <laughs> gained the COVID-15 <laughs> before. before she even, even came. came out. Oh, during, my gosh. She gained it during quarantine, too. Oh, Brooke, thank you. Her. I love you. I appreciate you. you so, so much. And uh, Can't it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Thanks. Bye. 2021, man. Here we go. I hope you got as much out of that conversation with Brooke as I did. She's truly been through so much. And as vulnerable as she was, we couldn't even get to a lot of the stories she, you know, could have told and things like that. And the people that she has helped through opening up and being vulnerable. She is at Mental Health Mama on Instagram and she loves posting snippets of her mental health journey and tips and tricks And you'll just love following her. I'll link to everything at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. We also talked after the conversation about exercise and what a profound impact that has had on her mental health since her last baby was born. And she is the first one to tell you she has never been one that has been prone to want 
to exercise and go running and things like that, especially in these bouts of depression. But she had a great tip from a therapist that told her, try and get outside for 10 to 15 minutes within the first hour of being awake in the morning. And it doesn't have to be strenuous exercise. It can be walking to the mailbox. For her, it was walking her dog and taking a a lap around the block. And just having that fresh air, having that be the way you start your day has really made a difference for her. And now she is looking forward to exercise classes and running for the first time and all these things. And it's truly not about the physical get your body back or anything like that. But that in conjunction with therapy, with medication, these this trifecta is proving so meaningful to her in her fight for her life. And she is doing so much better than she has in times past at this phase postpartum. So so head over to extraordinarymomspodcast.com to see where you can find Brooke. She also has an Instagram with her husband, who's a pediatrician, and he gives advice as well. So you can um, follow them, and that's all linked there too. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today, and we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.